0: Amen. Thank you so much for giving me the privilege. I enjoy speaking to college students. Why? Because there's hope for Canada. Amen. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing in even these troubled times, but God is still in control. Amen. No matter how uncontrolled the world seems to be in, but uh, we have a God that is a God of order, a God that knows what He's doing. Amen. I mean, you look at His creation, a wonderful creation that He has created and the Word of God that He's given to us. uh, We're in good hands. Amen. And so praise the Lord for that. I want to just challenge you this morning just a little bit on a question uh, which we find in the Bible. And the question is, what is your life? What is your life? And take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 4. We'll start from this verse. And then we'll look at another verse uh, in Psalm or another few passages of Scripture in Psalm. A Psalm of Moses. And uh, the question, the, when he considers his life and the uh, short period of our life. And so the question is, what is your life? And uh, we'll look at that a little bit more later and hopefully the word of God would challenge us to look at our life and uh, to see if we are doing that which the, which God has created us to do. So James chapter four and verse number 14, it says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. And boy, isn't that so true? We don't know what's happening tomorrow. We don't even know if we're gonna be here tomorrow. But uh, what is uh, it says? Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Turn to Psalm 90, Psalm 90, and verse number nine through twelve. Again, this is a Psalm of Moses, and uh, not a, uh, scholars are not exactly sure as to when uh, Moses wrote this if it was during his wilderness experience or if this was towards the end of his life or perhaps prior to leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt but nonetheless he has a uh, uh, he talks about the shortness of life and in uh, Psalm 90 beginning in verse number 9 it says for all our days are passed away in thy wrath we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength, they be fourscore years, that's 80 years, uh, yet is their strength uh, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us, to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Father, we just ask that you would again meet with us. And Lord, I thank you for this, uh, this college here. Lord, for the men and women that are enrolled. And Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would just simply use me as your voice piece this morning. Lord, I have nothing to give to these students but your word. And Father, I just pray that you would use me this morning. Speak to our hearts, and Lord, uh, would you help us to focus uh, what we are doing, and Lord, that you would be pleased with our life, and Lord, that you would use us for your honor and for your glory to accomplish great things in the short time that we have here on this earth. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for all that you will do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now here we have uh, some accounts about our life. Now I'm 50 years old and that seems pretty old to some of you. Not as old as Pastor White but I am nonetheless I'm still pretty old. 50 years old and uh, I still feel pretty young. Amen. Uh, I feel young in my mind. I feel young physically and I guess old age creeps up to you so slowly you don't really notice that you can't do the things that you used to do. But nonetheless, I still feel pretty good. Uh, and and if the Lord allows me to live my life till the year, uh, till 80, I plan on serving the Lord till the day I die. Uh, I was just talking to Pastor White and we were talking about our age. And I, he says, can I tell him? Uh, he says he's turning the big 6'5 soon. Wow, and I just leaned over and I said, uh, that's retirement. And he kind of laughed and chuckled. And I was just thinking, you know, in the Lord's work, I don't know uh, if, if retirement has ever crossed my mind. What would I do? This is all that I know since I've been saved is serving the Lord, and it's been a joy. It's been been exciting to serve the Lord, to see what He's been able to accomplish in my life and through my life. And yeah, there's been trials, there's been difficulties, there's been times that I've wanted to quit uh, uh, to my chagrin, but nonetheless, God is faithful And God has allowed me to serve Him, and I want to serve Him for the rest of my life. Why? Because He so loved me. He gave me eternal life. He gave me a purpose, and then He strengthens me to serve Him with my life. What a great joy. And when this life is over, I want to stand before the Lord, and I want the Lord to say, well done, that good and faithful servant. And that's my desire because it's God's desire. Amen? It is God that worketh in us, in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. The desire to serve the Lord is not my own desire. It's because when Jesus Christ saved me, he gave me his Holy Spirit. Amen. He gave me a down payment. Amen. He's coming to get me again one day and to bring me where he is. But during during this time of my life, I have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and it is God that worketh in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And we need to thank the Lord for that. You have a desire to serve the Lord. Well, I guess that you do because you're here this morning. Maybe you say, "Well, you don't know my heart," and I'm kind of discouraged this morning, and and I, I'm kind of kind of wavering. Hey. Let me just encourage you, allow God to work in your heart. Bring your burdens to the Lord. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, amen, and you can truly bring your concerns to the Lord and watch God do a mighty work in your heart. And That's what he wants to do. But our life, what is our life? Boy, you look at the the world, and what is it that they're pursuing? Boy, they're pursuing, and they're all searching for the same thing. They want happiness. They want fulfillment. They want joy. They want peace. And this is what the world is looking for. But sadly, they're looking for it in the wrong places. They're looking for it as in job or a career or money. And you read the testimony of those who are millionaires and those that have everything that the flesh could desire. And they say, I'm still empty. I still don't have what I'm looking for. And when you find Jesus Christ and you allow him to save your soul, guess what? Oh, you once were blind, but now you can see. And Jesus Christ comes in and he gives you that overwhelming peace and joy, knowing that you're a child of God and he gives you purpose. I was saved at the age of 30. Growing up in my in a in a religious community, I wouldn't say that we were religious. Growing up, we were considered you know we were I grew up in a Mennonite home, Mennonite family. Uh, we never went to church. It was uh, we were just considered uh, you know Mennonites, but really we didn't practice anything. Uh, first time I ever went to church was 13 years old, and I went to church because it was a time in uh, when we were living in Mexico at that time. And I was uh, 13 years old, and that was the uh, the age that the men graduate school. Boy, would not be great today, amen. Graduate at age 13? <laughs> no, trust me, trust me. You don't want to graduate You don't want to quit school at such a young age. Uh, but anyway, so I was 13 years old. In a sign of maturity and being able to hang out with the older boys, uh, you could go to church. And so I went to church at the age of 13, and uh, that was the first time I had, I had ever gone to church. But uh, growing up in a in a in a community in a religious community. Uh, I, I didn't have any understanding or knowledge of God. I didn't even know what God who God was. I knew the name, and but that's all that I knew about God. And so when I got married I didn't know any better. We, got, uh, we had some children and my only goal in life was to be able to have the nice house that my neighbor had. Be able to have that camper in my driveway. Be able to have that boat and go on holidays and fishing and all these things. That's all I knew. That's all that the world was promoting was happiness and joy and fulfillment. But then Man, there was this church out there. Ah, They interfered with my program. They interfered with my dreams. They began to pray for me that God would bring discontentment in my life. And God answered that prayer. And I thank God for that. I, to, I started getting discontent in my life. I said, Man, what's life all about? What is my life? Is this all that life has to offer? So I was thinking, boy, okay, so let's say I do get the nice house. Okay, let's say I do get the nice camper, and I enjoy this for, uh, for a time, for a season, and I, be, and I can go on holidays, but at the end of my life, I knew that I would face God, and at the end of my life, if I had lived for self, what is my life? What would it have counted for? Now I would face eternity at the end of my life. So you get married, you have kids, you have a job, you, and, 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 you, and you work for these things, and now you accumulate all these things. Now what? Boy, it seems pretty empty, doesn't it? Seems pretty shallow, pretty vain. I mean, not that having a house and all these things are necessarily wrong, but what are we living for? What is our life? And so when I got saved at the age of 13, God gave me a new desire. He put a new desire within my heart, and that was to serve Him and to give my life for Him. And guess what? I don't have a desire for these things anymore. Ah, do I say that I'm not tempted to have the nice car? Sure, those temptations are always there, but they're so vain nowadays. They have no power anymore because I look at what God is doing in my life and what God has called me to do and the things that God offers me, not only in this life, but in the life which is to come. So, hey, that, what's just to come, doesn't compare to the thing that is here in, the, in this world. These things are going to vanish away, and they're going to burn up, and they're going to be, there's going to be nothing left, amen? But only that, what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, will remain. The treasures that we lay up in heaven, they will remain, amen? They will not rust. They will not corrupt. No one's going to take them away from us. You can invest in heaven. You can invest in the work of God and guarantee that's going to be there when you get to heaven, amen? Working for the Lord. What is your life? When we consider our life, how short it is, and truly our life is extremely short. Life is short even at 70 or even at 80 years, we think it's a short life. And I'm over halfway done my life if if I live to the age of 80. But I'm not fearful. I'm not scared. I'm looking forward to going to heaven. I'm not in a hurry to get to heaven. I see all that needs to be done and all that I would like to do for the Lord, so I'm not in a hurry to get to heaven yet. And if the Lord allows me to serve Him for many more years, I want to serve Him. I want my later years to count more than my early years. Amen? I want to be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ more with more wisdom, with more passion, and with a greater vision and a greater desire, and that God would use my life, that He would have Accomplish His perfect will in my life, do great things for the Lord Jesus Christ. But our life is so short. Fifty years have gone by in my life, and I look back, and there are just like a vapor. Boy, they just gone. Fifty years, it just gone. And now, if the Lord allows me to live another thirty years, it doesn't seem that long. I mean, a life sentence of thirty years seems awfully long, but the life to live for thirty years doesn't seem that long. And so, but what are we doing with the life that God's given us? And I look at you, young men, and. Uh, young lady uh, uh, we we have you have you don't know how long you have you don't know how long you have you don't know the time that god's given you to make an impact in this world we had a young uh, a family in mexico and they had a young son his name was Danny and just a young boy and uh, he was saved at a young age and he had such a desire to serve the lord and and he was living in Mexico at that time, and uh, boy, he said uh, he said he just wanted to give his life for the Lord. And and uh, and this boy, Danny, he was always when he went to school, he was always he always went to school with such joy in his heart, and he always had a, a pocket full of candies that he would share with his kids. And he said the Lord is sweet, and I just want to uh, share the goodness of God. And and the teachers that knew him they said, what a great young boy, what a great influence he was. And and he witnessed for the Lord Jesus Christ, just a young man, just a young boy at age 12 and his life was taken that quickly. And you think, boy, how sad, how, how tragic. But the Lord, that was the time that God gave that young boy. And he made a difference at his young age in that short little time that he had. We don't know the time that God has given us. Our life could end very quickly. We don't need to constantly fear of that, but we need to give our life to God and say, God, how do you want to use my life for your honor and for your glory? As I said before, we look at the world. And sometimes we have this idea We're still convinced at times that if I have more money, I'll be happier. If I have a little more things in this life, I'll be able to uh, enjoy life a little bit more. We have this in the back of our mind. It's still that thought is there, is it not? It's in my head. It's in my heart. And I know it's not right. But it's constantly wants to creep up. It constantly wants to cloud my thinking as to the towards the truth of what God has said. Paul said it this way: I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Are you content with what God's called you to? Are you in content with the things that God's given you? Are you in content? Are you content with the job that God's given you? Are you content with the finances that God's entrusted you with or not entrusted you with? Amen? Going to Bible college, I'll tell you what. Woo! Uh, it can be challenging, amen. When I went to Bible college, I was uh, married at the time, I had three children, had mortgage payments, I had house uh, payments to make, uh, and, and and the car pay- I had all these payments and Then college bill to pay. My soul. I mean, there was times when I went to college and we just didn't have a dime to our name. Uh, We didn't have money. Boy, folks would call us, hey, do you want to come out and join us for supper today? Or want to come out for church after church and have lunch with us? Our whole family is going and guess what we had to say? No, we can't. We don't have money. And the devil will use that in your life. How come God is not blessing you? How come everybody, you're surrendered to serving the Lord, and yet everybody else gets to enjoy these, enjoy these things. Don't let the Satan, don't let these thoughts creep into your mind. Don't, let these, don't, don't start having a pity party for yourself, amen? Because God has a plan for your life. God has a greater plan than you can see at the, at, at the moment. But when you think about all that the world is running after, you think of Solomon, boy, the wisest man. And at the end of his life, End of Ecclesiastes, what does he say? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's it all about? What is your life all about? He says, fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man: giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never met somebody at the end of their life who has surrendered their life to the Lord and said, I regret giving my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I regret serving God with my whole heart. I've never met a soul like that. Never met an individual. Never heard something like that. But I've always heard uh, people say, I wish I had given him more. I wish I had surrendered more in my, my of my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish I had sought him more with my life. Here is Solomon. He had the things that the world lusts after. He had the money. He had the women. He had the riches. He had the fame. He had everything. that this wicked flesh could desire and at the end of his life he says it's vanity it's vanity it's all for nothing it's all useless because it's all going to burn up and go away as again all that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ will remain for eternity amen make a choice say I want my life to count for the Lord Jesus Christ I want my life to be used for him for his honor and for his glory so how do you do that in the short time that we have number one if you want to make something great with your life, seek God's will for your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and two, we know this verse well. We probably memorize it. It says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body a living sacrifice." That means living. That means a sacrifice. What is that? It's almost an oxymoron. A a sacrifice is usually that which has been killed. Amen. It's a slaughtering of an animal in, in homage, in reverence, in worship to God. And so here Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. A dead but living, how does that work? You die to self. You die to your own desires. You die to your own dreams. You die to that which the flesh wants to do, and you become alive unto God and to his will. A living sacrifice, it means you die to your own desires and and your own aspirations in life. See, our own goal, our own things, they only attend to ourselves because we naturally love ourselves, amen? That's why Jesus uses that, uh, that example. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. We love self. We love spoiling ourselves. amen? We love buying ourselves new clothes. We love buying ourselves nice food and all these things. We can spoil ourselves, but hey, our focus is not on self. It's on the Lord Jesus Christ looking unto him, amen, the author and finisher of our faith. And then when we get his vision, his desire, his love in us, we love the things that he loves, amen. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So if you want to be, make your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, surrender, uh, 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 sorry, excuse me, Uh, seek the perfect will of God. In verse number two, it says, be not conformed to this world. This world is out to get you. It's so out to conform you to their image. They want you to be like them. They don't want you to be different. They don't want to hear your opinion. You look at what's happening in the world today as far as these riots in the states and, 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 and the so-called freedom of speech. Uh, you're only allowed the freedom of speech as long as it matches their narrative, amen? If your speech, if your lifestyle matches their, the liberals, hey, you're one of them. But if, you, if your life and if you're not conformed to the world... Boy, you're their enemy, and truly we are their enemy. We are not the friend of this world, amen? We ought not to seek to make friendships in this world. We ought to seek to reach the world and not become like the world. And as, as Paul says, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. It means a different person, a different being, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know God's will for your life? Have you nailed it down? Do you know what God's will is for your life? You say, oh, I don't know what God wants me to do in 30 years. I never would have expected God to call us back to Canada. That was the last thing. I never even considered it. When we were in Mexico, I had I'd given myself to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in Mexico till the day I died. That was the only thing that I knew that God had called me to. And I was surrendered. I knew at that time that was God's perfect will for my life. But God had other plans which I didn't know at the time. It's not to say that we know everything that God has for us in our our future. No, but we know right now in your life, in this time, what is God's will for your life? Well, I could say that it's probably God wants you to finish Bible college, to finish what God started. Amen? Just to finish. And guess what? There'll be times where you'll be tempted to say, I just want to quit. I don't see any point in this. What's the use? Hey, don't, don't quit. Uh, don't make a decision in time of doubt uh, what you've made in faith and allow God to work in your hearts to secure that decision that you made. And God will keep that, amen? But make a decision to, uh, that, that you're going to seek the will of God for your life. See, some people don't even give it a thought of seeking God's will but what is God's will for your life do we not believe that God has a specific call upon our life or are we just uh, nothing to God no no absolutely not God knows the hairs on our head he knows uh, who we are he knows where we live he knows everything about us and he's got a special call for each and every one of us that's our great God do you know God's will for your life do you know what God's will is for your life then number two Be content with God's will. Don't see. Sometimes we have this idea. Oh, if, if if God called me to be so and so, or if God would call me to be. Hey, have you learned to be content in what God's called you to be? Are we content? Are we truly content? Hey, if God's called you to be a pastor, be content and then be the best pastor that you can be, by the grace of God, be a pastor that is committed to the Word of God, be a pastor that, uh, that is going to be an example and willing to stand for the truth in times that we live in. Boy, I tell you what, it's hard to take a stand nowadays. But by God's grace and by God's power, we can and we will and we shall, as God's promised us. But if God's calling you to be a pastor, be the best pastor that you can be. Don't look at the pastorate as a job. It's not what it is. The ministry is not a career. It's a calling. It's a life. It's something you give yourself to. It's not just uh, you punch in at eight or punch in at eight and punch out at five and say, that I did, I did my duty. I did what, no, 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 no. It's a life. If God's called you to be a pastor, oh, ask God to give you a passion. Ask God to give you a heart of a pastor. Ask God to give you a fire and to start a fire in your heart. Oh, we need pastors that are on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and that have a desire to go out reaching souls for the Lord Jesus Christ, a desire to have a Bible college to teach young men and women, oh, if God's calling you to be a pastor, don't just be an ordinary pastor. We got enough of those. There's a hand. There's a. There are a dime a dozen. But be a pastor that is willing to stand up and have some convictions about some scriptural principles. Have some convictions about separation. Have some conviction about music standards. Have some conviction about dress standards. Oh, ask God to implant some convictions, some biblical convictions in your heart. Oh, with the time that we live in, we see men and women falling by the wayside, and they're compromising. Who's going to stand for the next generation? Who's going to be a light? Who's going to be that? David Say, is there not a cause? Oh, there's a great cause. Oh, there's a cause. And be the best pastor that you can be if God's called you to be a pastor. Hey, if you're in Bible college and God's called you to be a husband and a father, be the best husband. Be the best father that you can be. Be an example in society of what a family ought to be, what a man ought to be, what a father ought to be. Father's not one who's consumed with his own things and the kids are kind of in their way and the father's concerned about his baseball and his football and his hockey and his his buddy. Hey, if God's called you to be a father, you be the best father that you can be. You bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You teach your children to love God. You teach your children to surrender to the call of God. You teach your children to be faithful to the house of God. Oh, my soul. Church is not an option. Church is not an option. It's our life as God's children, as God's people. The church is all that we uh, uh, do our ministry in and through. The church ought to be a priority in our life, amen? We don't just fit church in when it's convenient. Well, today I'm going to go out to, to the lake and all these things. Well, you might say, boy, you sound like you're against all these uh, things in life. And Let me just say, you have one day of the week where God says, Set that day aside and worship me. The rest is yours. You know, it's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll skip church and we'll skip out on church to do, uh, to do things that we enjoy. But we'll never take time off of work. We don't call and say, hey, i just like to take a day off today and uh, just enjoy time on the lake. Well, no, I need, I need the money. No, you need the Lord. <laughs> Amen. You need the Lord. And so, but if God's called you to be a husband, be the best husband. If God's called you to be a wife, be the best wife that you can be. Learn to encourage your husband, lady, ladies. We got two here. Praise the Lord. Uh, you don't know the influence that you have, that you will have, in the life of your husband. I am so thankful for my wife. If it, I, I can honestly say if it had not been for my wife, I wouldn't be in the ministry today. But my wife has been such an encouragement, a such a help to my life. It's, I, I can't express how much she's been an encouragement to me. She's been strong. She's been faithful. She's been a prayer warrior. We've cried together. We've read the Bible together. And we've sought the Lord's will together. And we've, we, we just, I need my wife. God knew that I did, and he gave her to me. But ladies, if you've been called to a wife, learn how to encourage your husband. Learn to love your husband. Be a keeper at home. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You just be the best. I'm not going to look at the guys. You just be the best wife, wife that you can be, and you ask God to give you that wisdom and to love your husband. Oh, my soul, be the best wife that you can be. I was dealing with a, a uh, missionary not long ago, <clears throat> actually it's happened a, a number of times in, since I've been with Canamara of different missionaries uh, around the world, and just even now talking to, to another missionary that we're dealing with, not with Canamara, uh, but anyways, a missionary that we support as Pemina Valley, but uh, now they've, they've, their life is all entangled because their marriage, isn't what it ought to be. Now they had to leave the field that they're calling for, that God had called them to because their marriage wasn't what it, what, it, what it's supposed to be. And, and you hear this over and over again. Uh, be the best husband, be the best wife that you can be. Learn to walk with God with each other. Learn to, oh, learn to have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with your spouse, and just allow God to, to be what you need to be in that relationship. And then uh, lastly, be resolved to finish your course. Be resolved. Decide that you will not quit. You, that's, not in your, that's not even in your thinking. That doesn't even come into your vocabulary. You're not going to quit on God. You're not going to quit going to church. You're not going to quit reading the Bible. You're not going to quit praying. You're not going to quit being a part of this church and supporting this church and supporting your pastor and praying for your pastor and his family. Do you realize how much attack today is on the pastor and on the preacher today to compromise, to give up, to give a little? Hey, let's be like everybody else. Hey, they're having this kind of music. They're having that kind of activity. Let's just be like everybody else. Why do we have to be different? Because God has called us to be different, amen? Be ye separated. As separate, saith the Lord. Come out from among them and be ye separate, excuse me, saith the Lord. Oh, pray for your pastor. May, be resolved that you will not quit what God's called you to do. You will not quit in being faithful to the house of God. Oh, we see David, the little shepherd boy, just a little young lad, and he had made a decision in early in his life. He says, I'm just going to serve God with my entire life. And you see that in the book of Acts where he says he served his... It says in verse number, Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, amen, and that was God's will for David to serve his generation. It says, and he fell on the sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption, I meaning his body went back into the ground. But what he was saying is, I have decided that I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with my entire life. And if there was ever a man who had reasons to say, I am going to quit on God, God called me to the king to be a king, but I've been running and hiding from Saul. I've been hiding in caves. I've been hiding in the in the the forest like a dog running for his life. And yet, God's called me to be a king. If there was a man that could say, "I'm going to quit on God," this just isn't fair. I mean, look at my life. Saul has tried to kill me time and time again, and I'm running like a dog. He says, "I'm just not going to quit." I know God's called me. I don't know how he's going to work this all out. I don't know exactly what God's planning to do with this in my life. Yeah, we see the fault of David, but yet we see the faithfulness of David, do we not? He served his generation and fell on the sleep. He finished what God had called him to do. Another man that we could say had a reasons to quit was Paul. I mean, you look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, the things that he, that he endured. Unbelievable trials, unbelievable beatings from his own countrymen. Uh, Five times received he, 40 stripes saved one. I mean, you think about it. You take in a whip and you beat somebody on the back. You give him one lash and you give him two and you give him three and you give him four and you give him five and you give him six. I mean, when does it end? And Paul is enduring these lashings and he's beating on his back and he's beating. That didn't happen just one time. Five times received I 40 stripes, save one. I mean, when is this guy going to quit? What's it going to take for us to make Paul quit, the world thought and the devil thought. And they stoned him and they beat him. And then he was in shipwreck and spent nights in the ocean uh, hanging on to some debris from the ship. And Paul just said, I will not quit because he realized what God had done for him. He realized and he remembered the agony that Jesus Christ faced in the garden of Gethsemane when he went to the Father and he cried out to God and he prayed to God and it was the sweat drops were as great drops of blood. He said, if it be possible, God, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And Jesus Christ paid such a tremendous price for your salvation and for my salvation. Hey, it's only reasonable that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. It's the most reasonable thing that we could do for the one that loved us so much. And we did make a decision. I will not quit on the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not quit serving him. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds oh don't get weary don't get weary now is the time to stand In the day that we live, now is the time that some young men, some young women will make a decision. Say, I will stand for God. I want my life to count for the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever God's called you to do, if He's called you to be a missionary, uh, you surrender to that and you allow God to use you as a missionary. If God's called you to be a pastor or a pastor's wife or a wife or husband, whatever it is, God gives to everyone. It's the calling of God that we surrender to. And when we know God's perfect will for our life, you latch on to that. And you allow God to strengthen you, and you make a decision. I will not quit. You cannot quit on God. I like think the disciples said, when after Jesus taught some difficult things, many disciples walked no more with him. And he turned to the disciples and said, are you going to go as well? He said, where are we going to go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. If you quit on God, where are you going to go? What is your life? It's such a short time. Give that short little time to God. And take, let God take that little and make it much. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for being faithful to us. Thank you, Lord, that you endured the cross, and despising the shame. Lord, you uh, paid our sin debt. Father, you gave us salvation. You gave us a calling. Father, would you strengthen us by thy Holy Spirit and by your word to finish what you've called us to do. And Lord, that you take our short little life and make it much. And Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.